Welcome to Now I See, a place where people share their eye-opening moments and how it changed the way they see themselves, their world, and their place in it. We hope you'll be encouraged and inspired by the stories you hear and challenged to see things in a whole new way, too. Sit back and enjoy this show that we've prepared especially with you in mind. I'm your host, Kit McCarty. The best gift that I ever got Didn't really weigh a lot It didn't have a ribbon round And it sometimes made a terrible sound The best of all it seems to me It wasn't neath a Christmas tree And yet I guess I'd have to say that it made all the other presents twice as gay. The best gift that I've ever known, I'd always wanted most to own. Yet, in my dreams of sugar and spice, I never thought it could be so nice. The best gift that I ever get was sometimes dry and sometimes wet, was usually pink but oftentimes red as it lay so innocently in its bed. The best gift of the year to me the one i hold most dear to me a gift that simply drove me wild was a tiny newborn child when i was a little girl I loved hearing that song as my mother played the Barbara Streisand Christmas album over and over. The first time I heard it, I sat transfixed, watching the vinyl spin and wondering how the riddle would be unwound. As the song came to a close, I had to agree with Barbara that the best possible Christmas gift would most definitely be a tiny newborn child. This, despite the fact that I already had an annoying little brother, and my mother was very pregnant with my little sister, who would be born just two months later. Let the sibling rivalry begin! The lyricist, Lan Ocon, was a Christmas baby himself, born early in January. Perhaps he remembered his parents telling him that he was the best Christmas gift they ever got. And when Barbara's son, Jason Gould, was born within a few days of Christmas in 1966, you could feel the passion, wonder, and joy in her music as she sang The Best Gift on her Christmas album released the following year in 1967. No one ever sang it better. I've included a link for that song in today's show notes. A Christmas baby. What could be more wonderful than that? I mean, that is what Christmas is all about, right? The birth of a tiny newborn child in a stable in Bethlehem. So much wonder. So great a promise. So much hope for all people everywhere. The first Christmas baby, Jesus, was born to a young Jewish virgin named Mary. 
Imagine her sense of wonder as an angel appeared to deliver the news that she was going to have a baby, and not just any baby, but God's baby. No doubt she was a little awestruck that 400 years of God's silence was being broken, that an angel appeared to her, of all people, that the promises of the long-awaited Messiah were about to be fulfilled, and that she was going to be playing a very important role in the process. Never mind her doubts about how this riddle would be unwound in the turning of her days, how things would go for her in the process of getting pregnant while remaining a virgin, and carrying a baby even though she was unmarried, and how Joseph, her betrothed, as well as her family and their close-knit community, might respond to the news, and how to be a mother to God himself. As the miracle began to unfold in her life, surely she felt the same sense of awe as Land and Barbara. Although scripture says she spoke words of praise, joyfulness, humility, marvel, confidence, and gratitude, Christian tradition holds that these beautiful words came forth like a prophetic utterance, or perhaps a musical explosion from deep within her wise adolescent heart. We read the words in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 to 55. We call it Mary's song, or the Magnificat. The church has given us several glorious renditions of these words set to music. I've also included the links for some of my favorite versions in the show notes today. Mary's baby caught her completely by surprise. I often wonder how that happened. Was she sleeping and saw the angel as in a dream? Was she just going about her daily routine, pulling weeds in the garden, or chopping vegetables for dinner, and then poof, there it was? Or maybe she was praying, meditating. An angel appears and she's talking to it, almost as if that's what happens in normal worship. She seems more troubled by the angel's announcement than she does by the angel's appearance. How can this be? She asks. Maybe it's her youthful naivete that anything is possible even dialogues with angels. She keeps her wits about her enough to have a conversation. I am the Lord's servant, she said. May it be to me just as you have said. Mary's tiny newborn child would be born in a time of political upheaval and oppression. Israel was under Roman occupation, and there were constant skirmishes between the Jews and the Romans. Everyone was inconvenienced by Caesar's decree and complained about government overreach as they were forced to travel at their own expense to the homes of their ancestors to be registered, counted, and taxed, giving money to their oppressors to oppress them even more. Of course, this decree was issued right when the baby was due, so when Joseph went to Bethlehem some 90 miles away, Mary went with him. Being pregnant and unmarried was dangerous for Mary. She could have been stoned by religious zealots who could have legally, under Jewish law, killed her for being in her situation. The people suffered not only under the weight of Roman rule, but a rigorous and oppressive religious tradition as well. Mary's baby was born in the midst of family turmoil. Mary was due to give birth any day, but left her family of origin behind in order to go with Joseph to Bethlehem, where not one of his family members welcomed them in. Perhaps Joseph hadn't left in the best of terms when he left the sheep farms and the rolling hills of Bethlehem to set up his carpenter shop in the remote village of Nazareth, halfway across the country. He wouldn't be the first Joseph in Israel to be rejected by his family. 
Perhaps they heard through the grapevine that the baby wasn't Joseph's anyway, so they sure weren't going to lift a finger to help them out. I mean, how scandalous. This, despite the fact that in their Middle Eastern culture, even foreigners and strangers could expect to be treated with gracious hospitality. They couldn't get a room at the local inn, and so they ended up outside with the animals. Mary gave birth in an animal pen and laid her baby to rest in a feeding trough. That had to pain Joseph the carpenter, who no doubt had spent hours building a much better crib, one that was waiting empty at home. When the baby was born, no family was there to assist with the birth. Not Mary or Joseph's mothers, nor Joseph's sisters or cousins or aunts. Only Joseph, who likely helped with the breathing exercises, held her hand as she screamed and cried, boiled the water and cut the cord. The first visitors were total strangers, social outcasts, actually, shepherds who were so low on the employment ladder that they were working the night shift out in the fields. When the angels made their birth announcement, the shepherds eagerly went to find Mary, Joseph, and the baby. Their joy was uncontained as they spread the word throughout the town and surrounding areas. Yet scripture says that people were amazed at the news and did nothing about it. They didn't rush out to see the baby or realize their mistake and make room for them in their hearts and homes. They just went back to doing whatever it was that they had been doing before the baby arrived. The people for whom the baby came couldn't be bothered to come to him. And they missed the best gift. The baby was born into financial hardship. There were no baby showers festooned with pastel balloons, flowers, or rose petal pedophores. No brightly wrapped gifts with baby blue bedding, outfits, and toys for little boys, or party favors for the guests. The baby's first clothes were whatever Mary and Joseph could find, or had carried with them from Nazareth, likely torn rags from soft, well-worn garments that were wrapped around the baby to keep him snug, comfortable, and warm against the cool night air. This couple was so poor that they could only afford the smallest sacrifice at the temple when the baby was dedicated eight days later. Then, after Mary and Joseph had done everything required by the law, they returned without fanfare to Nazareth. There's no mention of the welcome they received, It seems that everything just went back to normal, even though everything in heaven and earth had shifted, and things would never be the same again. Somehow the people who were closest to the miracle seemed completely unaffected by it. But God in his goodness sent so many others to be with Joseph and Mary. He sent angels and shepherds, the priest Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, and their own miracle baby John. God sent Simeon and the prophetess Anna to speak a blessing over them at the baby's dedication at the temple, and sent Magi with gifts fit for a king. Nobody reached out to them asking to do that, and none of the gifts were expected. But they still came and gave the best of themselves to this holy family, and made an impact so profound that their encounters are recorded for us in Scripture and are still celebrated in Christmas pageants in churches around the world every year. At our house, we have our own Christmas baby to celebrate, and we'll be doing that this weekend. There will be food, presents, singing, family, friends, laughter, and great joy. The little girl who dreamed of having a baby at Christmas had her childish prayers answered when she became an adult. 
When they placed my baby, my own flesh and blood, in my arms, I was both thrilled and terrified. Dear God, what had we done? We made a person, a real-life person. I knew there were billions of babies born throughout the millennia. But this one, like each one, was something so precious and unique that there had never been one like it before and would never be again. God help us. We had a helpless baby. We had a kid and we were just kids ourselves. We were now responsible for another human person when we had trouble taking care of ourselves. Yet we knew that we held in our arms something miraculous, the only eternal thing we had ever done and would ever do. And life for us would never be the same again. Our hearts burst with praise, joyfulness, humility, wonder, and gratitude. I felt all the feels, and I journaled my own thoughts, but none were as spectacular as Mary's. All of the Christmas songs, Christmas cards, and writings became more meaningful and precious as I nursed my baby in the soft glow of twinkling lights on our Christmas tree. How we jingle bell rocked as I prayed for my colicky baby to have at least one single silent night. And to this day, I still get choked up when I sing Silent Night. Of course, I felt an immediate kinship to Barbara and Lon. What surprised me was how much I would come to identify with Mary and Joseph. As a student of the Bible, I always try to put myself in the story I'm reading, imagining what it would be like to be in that place and time, to hear the words of Scripture being spoken over me or happening around me in the narrative, to see what they saw, to hear what they heard, smell what they smelled, taste what they tasted, feel what they felt, to not just gloss over the names of cities and people, but to stop and to see them, to understand what their names meant, to sit with them for a while and see if I could get to know them better. During my maternity leave, especially those first weeks of Advent and the last weeks of my pregnancy, I had plenty of time to sit and reflect on the nativity story and my story and to appreciate the similarities and differences to, as Mary did, treasure up all these things and ponder them in my heart. Like Mary's baby, mine caught us by complete surprise. Earlier that year, I had received some sad and scary medical news. I spent days crying hot, angry prayers, wondering how this could be happening to me, to us, and to feel the disappointment, loss, sorrow, confusion, and fear. My husband and I comforted each other the best we could. Months went by without improvement. In fact, things got worse. I had to do a lot of mental work to get to the place and I remember the moment distinctly where I could honestly say, I am the Lord's servant. May he do to me whatever he wants. The week before Mother's Day, during one of my many doctor's visits, I began to describe some new symptoms I was having. The doctor ordered some tests, and when he came back with results, he was as surprised as I was. I was pregnant. This was not supposed to even be possible. I demanded to know, how could this be? And the doctor smiled, pulled out a pad of paper and a pen from the pocket of his lab coat, and began to draw two stick figures. I know how it happens, but how did this happen? Through my tears of confusion, mixed with joy, standing there robed in white, backlit by the examination lamp, he glowed like an angel, 
bringing good tidings of great joy. When I came to the office that morning, I was sure I was dying. And when I left, I knew I was carrying life. Although I was still ill, hope was reborn in my heart. We couldn't wait for Mother's Day to tell our mothers and grandmothers the news. And we prayed like crazy that the baby and I would be well. Slowly, week by week, miraculously, we were. Like Mary's baby, mine was born in political turmoil. Russia was falling apart and Germany was coming back together. Margaret Thatcher resigned from the British Parliament and Lekwalesa won re-election in Poland. Iraqi troops were invading Kuwait and the Persian Gulf Wars while our country was fighting about flag burning here at home. And we had just finished an incendiary round of midterm elections. Like Mary's baby, mine was born in financial hardship. I left a job I loved, which resulted in a loss of half of our income and my company car. Like Mary, I walked everywhere until we were able to afford a second car. Fortunately, walking is good for pregnant women, as well as for postpartum women trying to regain their former shape and colicky babies who tend to fall asleep in their strollers. Like Mary's baby, mine was born in family turmoil. My husband's family was 1,100 miles away, wishing to be near us, and my own family, living just across town, was getting ready to drive across the state to attend my sister's college graduation and help her move out of her college apartment. Like Joseph, my husband was there for the entire birthing process, helping with breathing exercises, holding my hand while I screamed and cried, ready to cut the cord. Well, not that part, really. We had the luxury of a great team of doctors and nurses in an immaculate and wonderfully equipped hospital who whisked us into surgery when things got complicated. My husband sat behind a curtain trying to keep his insides in while doctors were working hard to get my insides out, if you know what I mean. And bless her heart, as soon as my mother-in-law got the news, she took two weeks off from work, booked a flight, and came to share our joy. And... Midnight feedings and diaper duty and sink loads of dirty dishes. Like Mary, in the absence of family, God sent surprise guests who showed up in the most wonderful ways. I didn't have time to grieve what I didn't have, only to celebrate all that I did. In the biblical account, Mary's cousin Elizabeth shared her joy, spoke words of blessing and encouragement over her, and no doubt helped her prepare physically and emotionally for the changes ahead. In my account, God sent literally a hundred Elizabeths who loved me, encouraged me, prayed over me and my baby, showered us with sage advice, and all the things we could barely afford. A rocker, a playpen, a swing, and a stroller, toys and enough diapers and clothes to get us through the first few months. Especially a red and green elf outfit that we brought our baby home in. It had baby's first Christmas embroidered in red on the little bloomers. So adorable! And when she finally fell asleep, we placed our baby in a borrowed crib, just like Mary and Joseph did. Like the biblical Simeon, our pastor was among the first to stop by and give thanks for our safe and healthy delivery and say a blessing over us. He was followed by older couples from our church who loved us as if we were their own children and had just given birth to their beautiful grandbaby. They were among the first to hold her and were committed to being the grandparents we would surely need nearby in the years ahead. They never missed a Christmas or birthday in those growing up years. The nurses and technicians were so friendly and helpful, especially those on the dreaded night shift. 
who would bring my baby to me or come sit with me on their breaks and keep me from being alone and afraid. How I treasured their kindness and kind words of counsel. Before I was released, they came and took pictures with us and signed our baby book. While my sister was walking the stage at her graduation, our neighbors were staging a welcome home party with balloons and banners inside and out. After the celebration, we laid our baby in the crib. Friends like Magi came from near and far bearing gifts. One brought bran muffins and fresh fruit for breakfast. Others brought dinners until I was healed enough to get back in the kitchen again. Some came by and helped with laundry or offered to babysit so I could catch up on my sleep or get a few minutes of quiet to myself. Some came by just to hold our baby and gaze at her sweet little face. Nothing touches a mama's heart like someone else who loves your child too. Nobody reached out to them asking for them to do that, and none of their gifts were expected. But still they came and gave the best of themselves just when we needed them and made an impact so profound that we still tell their stories years later. Despite from all the attention we were getting from our dear friends outside that circle, everything seemed to continue just as it had been for everyone else in the world. It was surprising, a little disturbing, and still comforting that life does go on. Are you expecting a Christmas baby this year? Congratulations! You are about to receive the best gift! Welcome to the Christmas Babies Club. I am so happy for you. Or maybe you are the Christmas baby, the kid who only gets one present every year, as gift givers say. I got this for your birthday and Christmas. How thoughtful. You miss taking cupcakes to your school on your birthday because school was already out for Christmas break. And now you're tired of trying to squeeze your birthday party into everyone else's busy schedule. Somewhere between the office parties, the service club gift exchange, holiday bake-off and cookie exchanges, tree lighting ceremonies, Christmas concerts, church services, your co-workers' vacation days off, your family's travel plans. I, I don't have to tell you. You know what I mean. Our Christmas baby is celebrating her birthday over a period of several days this week because we can't get ourselves together to throw her a party on the actual day. I confess I've sent birthday cards late because I was focused on getting the Christmas cards out on time. I've wrapped birthday kit gifts in Christmas paper and turned on invitations to parties I really wanted to attend because we were already booked months in advance. It stinks. I get it. And we have a Christmas baby. We should know better. It's not like her birthday's a floating holiday like Thanksgiving, Passover, or Monday holidays. We have a year to plan. We should be good at this after decades. But let me just say this to you, Christmas baby. Enjoy the food, the tinsel, the lights, the music, the fun. Get together with the people you love and throw your heads back and laugh at the craziness of it all. December is one big birthday party. Who else gets to say that? Find a few moments of quiet reflection and think about what's really important in your big, beautiful life. And remember, Christmas babies are the best gift. And to those of you conceived at Christmas, thanks for making the holidays even merrier and giving a whole new layer of meaning to Labor Day. And to the rest of us who were not Christmas babies, but still cherished and loved, thank you for not being born during the busiest time of the year for expanding our family celebration calendar and giving us good reasons to eat cake and ice cream in any other month than December. You were and are the best gift too. 
Why? Because life is always a gift. Whether a tiny newborn child or living past the moment when we thought we'd die of embarrassment or waking up the day after an incident or accident that nearly, literally took our lives. Each day of life is precious. Life is the ultimate gift. Or maybe you're simply nursing the baby of something new in your life, a new job, a new joy, a new home, a new relationship, a new pet, a new dream, a new reality, a new commitment, a new diagnosis, or a new sorrow. I want you to know, whatever it is, wherever you are, you are not alone. Your world has dramatically shifted and you're wondering how the rest of the world can just go on as though nothing has happened, as though nothing has changed. I see you. More importantly, God sees you. God's got you. Perhaps this new thing will turn out to be a great gift, even if it doesn't seem like it right now. Maybe this seems like the timing is all wrong and it's caught you up by surprise. I see you. Baby Jesus caught the world by surprise, too. If you're worried about raising your baby in a world filled with political upheaval, I see you. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. People throughout the centuries have turned to him in the midst of the worst and best circumstances and found that he gives the kind of peace that cannot be replicated, explained, or taken away. Maybe you find yourself in the midst of financial hardship. I see you. You can confidently put your trust in Jesus, the creator and sustainer of the universe, the giver of every good and perfect gift. He's been meeting needs for ages. He can meet you at your need today. He certainly met me in mine. Maybe you're in the midst of relational strife. I see you. It hurts when the people you're counting on let you down. There are two things you need to know. One, God loves you and he will never let you down. You might feel like you're in free fall right now, but trust me, he's got this 24-7 fall into his arms. And two, look for the others. Everyone who has been on our show so far has talked about the importance of community. There are people all around us who are facing and overcoming hard things, who can relate in some way to what you and I might be going through right now. Or perhaps you're the answer to someone else's prayers. You never know. But you can know this. You are seen. You are loved. You are not alone. There is hope for you. If you're looking for a way to be there for someone else this Christmas, let me direct you to our Featured Causes page at nis.media. Just click the Featured Causes tab for information about places where you can make a difference. Your gift might be the answer to a woman in crisis pregnancy, or a child who's been removed from their family and waiting for placement, or a soldier who's serving overseas this Christmas, or a person who is in recovery, or someone who has experienced the loss of a loved one. Your gift, though unexpected, might be the very thing that helps them get through this season and will become a story that's worth remembering and telling for Christmases to come. Finally, you may be looking for the perfect gift for someone this Christmas. If you can't give them a baby, ha! then give them yourself. No thing you can buy will ever be as valued and remembered. And while this whole episode has been about Christmas babies being great gifts, the truth is that while they may be a lot of fun, they are a lot of work. And it, if all goes as it should, they don't stay babies forever. 
They grow up and they become their own persons and make their own decisions and live their own lives. And that is a great gift too. But I still want to say the best gift is still a person. There's no greater gift than the person of Jesus Christ and a relationship with him. He's the baby whose birth we celebrate at Christmas. He is God-made flesh who lived among us, revealed God to us, died and rose again so that you could be forgiven of your sins, be restored to God, be assured of eternal life in heaven. Receive that gift this Christmas as I did so many years ago, and your life will never be the same. We're so glad you were able to join us for today's compelling story. You can find out more about our guest today by reading our show notes or visiting our website, nis.media. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Special thanks to the team at Headset Radio for their technical expertise and to Becky Salazar for our bumper music. See you next week.